Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security. Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. I'm Charlie Wright and today is May 15, 2015. We're very pleased and honored to be talking with Bill Spatrino, author and editor. He's the editor of the newsletter The Dividend Machine and he is uh, author of the most recently published book, The Great American Dividend Machine. He speaks to us from Cleveland, Ohio. Bill, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Welcome, Charlie. So, Bill, tell us, you're a self-educated investor. You have no professional education in investing or experience in investing. You have not worked on Wall Street, etc. You were not trained in the industry, and yet you have a very strong record of success in the industry. So tell us your story. Well, I got started in investing. You know, I was... I, I worked at a job. I was 23 years old. I was there for a while, and my dad said to me, you know, I came in, and I had my first job. I was making 18.5. My dad came up to me and said, you know, I said, he said, how was your first day away at work, son? He says, I said, Dad, I'm making 18.5, which back in 1984 was a lot of money. And he said, you know, I got an S secretary. And he goes, look it, you got 45 more years of this. Get used to it. And, I mean, he said a few expletives that I can't say in here. Um, and, and I just said, boy, I'm not going to make it for 45 years. I don't know if I'm going to make it for 45 weeks. So I started thinking I've got to build something. So I wanted to get into real estate. You know, I had, you know, tried to get some money. But the problem is back then interest rates were like 13%. And the problem you had is you couldn't get a loan. It wasn't like it was today. And, you know, you, you, I didn't really know anything about properties. So I sold my BMW, I took $8,000, and I bought a stock, because one of my mentors told me before he died, he said, son, if you can eat it, drink it, smoke it, watch it, wear it, or bet on it, if you can't, forget it. So I thought, okay, which stocks qualify for that? Well, I thought of the stock, which is now called Altria, but back then it was called Philip Morris, and it owned, you know, Miller, which is beer, Marlboro, which is cigarettes, and Kraft, you know, foods, like Oreo, and I loved Oreos, so I thought, okay, I'll put my money where my mouth is and get involved in this. So I put my money in, I got my first dividend check of $43, and my dad says, oh, what are you going to do, buy a Happy Meal with that? You know, but my last dividend that I just got, like, for a quarter, is like three times what I was making in a whole year of working. So, you know, the whole plan worked with the compounding, but I saw the future, you know, and my dad, you know, I'd start brown bagging it to, you know, to work and, you know, doing stuff. And then I would say to myself, okay, I'm just going to go to the mall and have free samples. And, you know, I still do that today. And my daughter's like, Daddy, you know, you, why do you still do free samples? And I said, well, the quote, Mr. Buffett, not Jimmy, but Warren, I mean, not Warren, but Jimmy, 
you know, you never know when those hard times are going to hit you, you know, and I don't want to lose my touch. The money to me and the compounding is still, you know, I buy nice things when I want to, but it's still, I still think about how I'm going to build my dividend machine, even though it's running really well now. Okay, so so tell us, what kind of mentoring did you have? What kind of education? It sounds like you were self-educated here. I had an accounting degree, okay, and it helped me a lot, but my biggest education I got was I was a gambler, okay, and I know that some people get scared, but when I was four years old, we lived near a racetrack, Well, my grandfather would say, I'm going to take the baby out for a stroller, you know, ride. Well, he'd stop at the track all the time. Well, you know, I was at the track. I was a four-year-old at that time, and it was really good because I did all this, and I said to myself, you know, I, I tell my grandfather, I started blackmailing him, I said, look, i got to get to gamble. Well, the good thing about gambling is, I mean, and I'm, I'm not advocating people gamble. I'm, I'm advocating them learn how to get, you know, the, the lesson you get from gambling is when you're wrong, they take your money. You know, there's millions of people that delude themselves that they're funny or they're smart or they're this, but when you have put real money out there, there's a lot of these paper traders who have these systems, but they don't have any of their own money in it. And when you have your own money, it's a whole other ball game. So I started learning about, you know, pick being right. Well, when I was about 10 or 12, my dad got upset that I gambled so much, so he said, look, and I'm going to stake you to $500, and you're going to start gambling. And, um, and when you lose it all, you're going to stop. Well, I ran it into like four or five grand, and then he realized that, you know, I had a touch for doing things. And then, I, I, you know, stocks weren't a big deal back when I did it. And, you know, I went to, like I said, I learned accounting in college. So, you know, I combined the book smart with the street smart. You know, like I tell people, I've learned as much from Jimmy Buffett as Warren Buffett and people that have gone to jail than people that have gone to Yale, okay? And it's, it's you know, it's just it's worked out for me because I, I, I get the compounding on my side, and that's something that the average person doesn't really understand. Okay. So tell us, for both your newsletter, The Dividend Machine, and your book, The Great American Dividend Machine, what is the strategy or the strategies that you use? Well, it's a good, that's a great question, Charlie. First of all, the book that I put out there, okay, the book is more of a, like a proof element because people are scared. You know, some people have read my book and think, oh, I finished your book and I'm not ready to be Warren Buffett. I said, no. You're not going to finish it in a small book. What I'm teaching you in the book is how a pro thinks and how I, like, when you, if I'm going to fly in a plane with you, you're going to be, I'm going to be your pilot. You want to know that, okay, I'm a, you know, most of the pilots were in the Army or the Air Force, and if, if you can fly a plane when somebody's shooting at you, you can probably fly a plane when somebody isn't. Okay, so the book, and I have a chapter, the greatest thing about the book is I have a chapter in it which more than pays for the savings. I just got an email from a woman today in Arizona, and she saved $120 a month between two of the things that I taught her in the book. And, you know, it, it paid for itself. You know, you put up $18, and I have a guarantee if somebody buys this book and follows everything I say in the one chapter, and, and, and they don't save enough to buy the book, I'll buy the book back from them. And my publisher, we've, we haven't had to buy any books yet. Thank you. Okay. Um, but, Bill, but, t- tell us about that. As far as the investing part goes, I believe that 90% of your money should be put in the conservative portfolio, okay? Those are stocks where you're not going to, there's no way they're going to go to zero, okay? Berkshire Hathaway can't go to zero, okay? Um, Apple can't go to zero. I'm not saying those are stocks. You just have to know when to buy them. So you can't just buy the right stocks. If you buy them at the wrong times, as you know, 
you're not going to make any money, okay? And what I do is I, my key is I can spot imaginary fear, okay? Like when everyone, like Warren Buffett says, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. I'm good at that. I can do that. And that's where I, like when, for instance, the, um, with J.P. Morgan, they had this trader lost like $7 billion. Well, the stock tanks because everybody thought J.P. Morgan was going to go down. But that's like a casino in a night, and this is where my gambling comes in. A casino in a night doesn't win every night. It wins over time. And I knew that. I bought J.P. Morgan all the way down, and then it you know, practically almost doubled on us. So, and that's how I invest. You know, I see things that other people don't see. So, in other words, you buy out-of-favor stocks is what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so are you a value stock investor are you a growth stock investor that's on hard times well that's a great see that's the greatest question because see a lot of people say value investor okay to me everything i want is value okay values in the eyes of the beholder a lot of people bought banks before the crash not knowing that the banks had that were basically insolvent because they saw book value on their thing okay being a value investor is like saying you have a sense of humor, okay? It's, it's not something you can measure. What I look for, and it's like what you said, I look for safety, growth, and income, okay? Like if you're looking for a baseball player, you know, Ken Griffey was a five-tool player. He could run. He could hit for average. He could hit for power. He could throw, okay? And he could play defense, okay? That's a five-tooler. I find stocks that have great balance sheets that, that are growing, and now, obviously, you're you're trying to estimate where they're going to grow or not, but you can get a pretty good idea. You know, it's it's fifty percent art, you know, instinct, and fifty percent science numbers. And I combine the two. Most people that are as smart as me don't understand the instinct part, and the people that don't understand the instinct don't understand the balance sheet. Okay, so do you have in in your uh, in your newsletter, for example, do you have a particular portfolio of stocks that you're recommending, and about how many stocks does that consist of? Yeah, my my newsletter has I have about fifteen conservative stocks and about ten to fifteen uh, international stock or uh, aggressive stocks, and I have about ten or fifteen, maybe ten international stocks and, and and basically the conservative stocks are the ones you need to put 90 percent of your money in the conservative and you can put five or ten percent into the aggressives because the aggressives like i have a stock called gilead science okay that stock we bought it at 14 and or 16 and it's like oh, it's like 106 now and people keep sending in to me saying i sell it at 20 sell it at 30 sell it at 40 finally one guy said to me when are you going to sell this? And I felt like saying, when you stop telling me to sell it, maybe I'll think about it. But I don't look by that. You know, buy and hold. People tell me buy and hold doesn't work. You know, it's like marriage. If you buy and hold, if you're marrying Cindy Crawford, someone who's smart, funny, works hard, makes a lot of money, it works for you. And it's the same thing with stocks. If you pick the right stocks at the right prices, you're going to do fine. Okay, you know, we need to, to stop for just a minute to take a short break here, Bill. This is very interesting stuff and certainly different from what we, we typically hear. We're talking with Bill Spatrino, author of newsletter and the book, The Great American Dividend Machine. And you're listening to Strategic Investor Radio, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 
According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. And now back to Charlie and his energized guest here today. Thank you, Paul. We're talking again with Bill Spatrino, author and editor of the newsletter, The Dividend Machine, and the recently published book, The Great American Dividend Machine. So, Bill, tell us, when I typically see newsletters or books about dividends, they're usually focused on uh, funds that pay high dividends, such as closed-end funds, business development companies, REITs, Etc. It sounds like you're focused on individual stocks, primarily of the U.S. Correctly, that, that's that's right, Charlie. See what happens with businesses are. I see. I've been into dividends. It's funny because a guy like Kramer, who like there's a man named Mark Holbert who writes the newsletters, and I mean Kramer was ranked like a hundred and something, and I'm ranked like ninth or tenth last year. Named Mark Holbert. Public financial, it's all documented. Kramer's trying to get involved in dividends now, but see, I, I've been involved in it for 20 years, and see, you don't, I don't pick the REITs. I don't, it, see, these, these companies are not, I'm looking for a company that's going to grow their dividend. Like, I'll give you an example. One of my selections was Altria, okay? When I bought it, I paid 16 and a half for it, okay? The dividend was $1.28. The dividend now is $2.08, okay, and it's going to be raised this year. And the stock price of the stock, ironically, or um, not ironically, the stock invariably has gone up to 50-something because in this, but even in the, you know, people have said you've just been successful with this in the low-yield environment. I was successful in this when money markets were 7% or 8%, okay. It's, if you buy right, you're looking for safety, growth, and income, and that's what I'm looking for. Now, some of my dividends might be small, but I think the companies are going to appreciate. Okay, I'm looking, my goal is that I make you a 12% return over a a period of time. Since we've started the dividend machine, I think we've averaged about 19% compounded. Okay, and, you know, there is a bull market, and it's been easier. It was easier to pick stocks five years ago, but I still, I made three selections in the last, month where the market's been flat in the last three months, and they're up 25, 20, and one of them, Chicago Bridge and Iron, I think is up 40%. And, I mean, I just, I find undervalued stocks. That's what I do. I do not time, anyone who tells you they can time the market is lying to you. Okay, they're lying through their teeth. Okay, so so tell us, I understand, I see from the book that you have an 18-point system for stock selection. Tell us a little about that, will you? Well, what I do is I take the stocks. I put stocks through a filter, okay? Through I've got 18 different filters, okay? Once a stock makes it through that, then I put it in the playoffs, the top five play. And I don't know if you remember the old Pro Bowlers tour, 
but it was set up where the five finalists would, like, number five would play number four, the winner would play number three, then the winner would play number two, and the winner would play number one, and then that other stock is the winning stock. Now, what I do is it's very simple. Once I get to my last five, I have a panel of five people that don't know each other, and I plug a stock, and then they come in and trying to, to, to tell me why I can't, why the stock doesn't work. And they either sell me or I sell them, okay? It's like shoot or be shot. And, you know, if, I'll give you an example. I like the stock called JCPenney, okay? It, it came through with my numbers. It's perfect thing. This is when it was like 18 or 19. Ackman had bought it. Soros had bought it. But then when I went to, produce, to, to do the, the playoff system, the people, the women were telling me, hey, I don't shop there. I used to. I don't shop there. They took away the coupons. Do you know, go? They said, Bill, challenge, I challenge you to find someone who actually goes there and shops anymore. Well, I couldn't. And so I didn't pick the stock, and thank God it's like seven now. Okay, but see, Akbin got fooled. Soros got fooled because they're, they're billionaires. They don't know anybody that went to JCPenney. I had, I remember from my gambling days, I had the edge. You know, that, that is very interesting. So you have your 18-point system, your, your 18 filters, and then you, you, you work five against four, four against three, etc., and then you end up with one that you like, and then you take that to just five consumers, basically. These are not professionals in the industry, correct? Yeah, I, I mean, I, what I do is these are not, these are regular people. Yeah. They see, you can't, you can't, Get involved. See, the mistakes that traditional, you know, conventional wisdom is long on convention and short on wisdom. Okay. And what happens is I get my edge by talking to people. Okay. And, like, for instance, I have a stock called Apple. I've done really good on it. I made a ton of money with my, for my subscribers. Combined, my subscribers made well into the tens of millions of dollars on this because I told them this is the best opportunity I've ever seen. I got that pick from my daughter because when she was 10 years old, our cat died. And she says, Daddy, this is the worst day of my life. And I said, well, Steph, we're going to get you an iPod. And she was like, oh, Daddy, I still feel sad, but this isn't the worst day. So when we went there, I bought her an iPod, and everybody didn't want her to have it, but I didn't care. And when we were there, she says, you know, we got a case. And I said, honey, you have a case? And she said the magic word. She goes, Daddy. It's obvious that everybody knows that you have to have a case to match your outfits and purses. And I was like, then the light went on in my head. I said, Jesus, these guys are selling. It's not just the phone and the, and the products they're selling. And then when I was in the store, I saw all young people, and we saw a whole bunch of retired people. And I said, well, what are these retired people doing here? And the man says, well, we have free seminars here during the day. So, like, the light went off in my head because I had just thought of Apple as being – you know, just I, I didn't know if it was a fair. I didn't own it, so I didn't have right. an edge. But after I got that, I got the edge that Apple is like it's an ecosystem. It's like the whole, you know, the iTunes and the whole. So I started looking at the financials, and I said, this the company has a hundred and some billion dollars of cash. Then I saw what their brand name was worth. And I said, I valued the stock at 900 when it was 400. And everybody laughed at me and said, the stock's not worth 900. Well, with the split now. The stock's trading 128.80 right now with the split. That's about 900. Okay. See, but I saw that before the market saw it, and that's that's part of my. But see, without the kid explaining it to me, 
Right. I don't know. Well, and so it sounds like much of this intu- is, is intuitive. Now, let, let me ask a, a different question here, Bill. Um, we've had six-plus years of a bull market. What happens to – now, you're in long-only, primarily U.S. stocks, the kinds that got clobbered in 2008. So what are you doing to prepare for a bear market? Do you have an exit strategy on these? What's yes. your plan? Charlie, of all the questions I've been asked since I've been doing this, and I've been asked many of them, you just ask the best question, okay? People ask me, what, are, what do you do in these cases? I look for, I pick stocks, okay? Like, for instance, in 2011, when the market was flat, my portfolio made 19%. In 2008, a lot of my stocks did drop, but they're all, like I bought, I liked Altria when it was, 20 it dropped to 14 it's 53 now apple dropped to 80 it's the equivalent of almost 900 if you bet on the if you buy the stock right you're buying a business and you don't what the public thinks it's worth is up to them you know the market is here to serve me not guide me okay when i can't find any stocks to buy then i know it's time that we're generally speaking like in 08 I couldn't find any more stocks to buy, okay? And I knew I, I, I knew we were going to have a pullback. I didn't know to the extent of what we had because it always the market always overshoots. But in the short term, it's a voting machine where the public decides. But in the long term, it's a weighing machine where it's like you the stocks go back to their – they will reach their value, okay? And, like, I tell everybody, I don't hedge, okay, because you don't – I had one of my clients, he got out of the market in 2012. He's still waiting for a 10% pullback. He got out when S&P was 1100 Okay, he screwed himself out of 3 or $4 million at least, if not more. And he's still, and the worst thing is he sat in cash. And it's just, I'm a stock picker, okay? Like I said, this year the market's been flat. I've picked four stocks, and they're up 20 30%. Okay, in a flat market, you see, I don't own the market. I own 25 stocks. Okay, I don't own the market. It's like if you had to take the graduating class of, uh, you know, 500 people, you're not going to put in person 500. That's not the same thing as person 20. And you just, you have to know the value of things. If you don't know that, it's like being a driver in a, on a road and not knowing that red means stop and green means go. Okay, well, though those are some compelling points that you make here. Uh, tell us, uh, Bill, what keeps you awake at night in regards to your recommendations and strategies? That's a great, I guess, you can tell, and I'm, I'm not just telling the viewers this, I mean, please, if you do any research on me, you'll see that I'm, or read my book, I'm not anybody who says nice things to people just to try to get them. They, they, those are the questions, see, the psychologist who wanted to, my first big investor that wanted to invest with me privately, he calls me on the phone. He says, I'm a psychologist. Can I ask you some questions? I said, yeah, but be prepared for your answers. Afterwards, he decided to invest with me. And I said, why did you pick me? Do you, can you tell me? He says, yes. He said, one, you're used to dealing with enormous amounts of pain. Okay. And he said, but the main reason is he says you move away from things and not towards them. I said, what do you mean, Doc? He said, if I show you ten things, you'll show me the nine things that you don't like. Okay, and to, to, to explain that into, into easier terms for investing, 
I work backwards, okay, like if you, if I ask you a question and I say, Charlie, you can have one wish, but you can't wish for eternal life, you can't wish for, you know, 40 more wishes, what would you wish for? Okay. Well, what the, the correct answer is, you would wish for, you want to know where you're going to die, so you don't go there. So in investing, what I do is, I do my research. Every stock I buy, I spend 50 to 100 hours studying it, talking to people, going through this, okay? And then I do my homework ahead of time. If I think there's a problem, it does me no good to be jumping off of a diving board and in midair someone tell me there's no water, okay? So you ask me what keeps me awake. I don't, I don't, I, I worry about my daughter's health or my family's health. I, honest to God, my portfolio, my three or four biggest investments, I just have a stock called Transocean. I was down 760000 on it. Now I'm down like three hundred. But like with Apple, I was down 700000 Now I'm up over, you know, a few million. I, I don't worry about that. Like my, it, just like Warren Buffett didn't worry when he bought Wells Fargo and it dropped 50%. Or he bought Interpublic and it dropped 50%. Or the Washington Post. You have to have faith in what you're doing. Okay, I feel I'm one of the best hundred investors in the world, and I think my track record proves it. And I don't get worried, but I did. I look for stocks like people say to me, "What you know? Obviously, a nuclear explosion would 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 mess up the stock markets. Okay, and it would hurt different stocks, but I don't see how that's going to change Apple. I don't see how that's going to change Altria. I don't think how that's going to change Johnson and Johnson or Berkshire. I mean." I just don't see how that's going to change. You know, take a stock like Johnson & Johnson. It's been around since 1880. In that time frame, we've been through two world wars and a bunch of other smaller wars. We've had terrorist attacks. We've had 25% unemployment. We've had 20% interest rates. And the company is still, if you bought the stock in 1930, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, go on, it's higher. And there's a lady named... Um, Groner, okay, she put, I think it's five or $600 into a, a pharmaceutical, I don't know if it was Mer Abbott or one of them, and just reinvested the dividends. And when she died, she had like five or $6 million. And she didn't put $700 in every year. She put $700 in once. And then 70 years later, with the compounding, it went up. So I'm just worried about, you know, obviously when I buy a stock, I want them to hit their earnings and stuff. But um, they, they mostly do. Okay. Well, again, you make some compelling points here, Bill, and, and nobody can uh, criticize you for your lack of enthusiasm here. So tell us, how can people uh, contact you for your newsletter and or your book? For the book, you can, you know, you go to Amazon under the Great American Dividend Machine, and my name is Bill, S-P-E-T-R-I-N-O. Okay, you can go to BillSpetrino.com. And that gives you some insights on me. You can listen to my interviews and see all that kind of thing. Um, the dividendmachine.com, that's where the you can see testimonials about me. And that's where you can sign up for the newsletter. You know, the newsletter is like 100 It's It's, it's less than $2 a week. And that's why I try to explain to people, I spend 20 to 30 hours a week still doing the work. So you're basically hiring me. If I came to you and said, Charlie, you know, I want to work, I want you to do work. I want to do work for you. Can will you pay me six cents an hour? You know, can you give me eight hours of work? And you know, you give me fifty cents, and I give you two cents as change. 
you would hire me, okay, to do a menial task, let alone manage your money. And, you know, you don't need an advisor. You don't need somebody. And if you want one, you can have one, okay? And I, a lot of people use this. They use my newsletter as like a tip sheet in a racetrack where they read what I have to say. You know, my greatest respect is when Carl Icahn came in and followed me into Apple and used the words no-brainer that was in my newsletter. And, you know, I know people that know Carl Icahn. He said, hey, Bill, he may have your newsletter. I don't know. He says, he, you know, for how much it costs, I don't see why he wouldn't have it. You know, so my point is, is that it's for the value, you can't get the information anywhere. I mean, I should have three or four hundred subscribers, a thousand subscribers instead of, you know, 75,000. But it's it's and we give a 60 day money back guarantee. And, and that's the important thing. I don't I make money with people, not off of them. OK, that's just not I've been offered to do hedge funds. and stuff. I don't want to. OK, I like what I'm doing. I'm very comfortable with it. I make enough money doing the things I do. I do public speaking. You know, I have BillSpatrino.com, which is my own, you know, personal, like, investing school that you can contact at TicketBill at AOL.com. You know, you can email me direct. And it, it, it's just I'm, I'm there to help other people out. Okay. Well, Bill, thank you very much. And it sounds like uh, you're being successful at doing that. Now, in 20 seconds, Bill, uh, your final parting words here for our listeners. Charlie, thank you very much for putting us on here. Folks, whether you need to get involved in something, get the Dividend Machine newsletter, okay, dividendmachine.com. It's got a a 90-day money-back guarantee. Okay, you need to do this for your children and grandchildren. Okay, there's nothing. The, the Albert Einstein said the most powerful force in the world is compound interest. Please learn and get that going for your family. Okay, well, Bill, thank you very much. We've been talking with Bill Spatrino, author and editor of the newsletter The Dividend Machine and the book, recently published book, The Great American Dividend Machine, here on Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net. And we wish everyone happy and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor. Your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science. Charlie Wright is an investment advisor representative with PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The views and opinions expressed by our guests are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views of PartnerVest Advisory Services, LLC, or Charlie Wright. PartnerVest and our guests are unaffiliated companies. No information in this discussion is intended to provide investment, tax, or legal advice to any person, nor is it an offer to sell any security.